Hey everyone, I'm Jason O'Dell, and this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. And with me is Rick Walker. All right, good to see you. How's it going, see, Rick? I, see, I figured out how to respond to that surprise intro. I, I had was, to throw you a curveball. Kind of proud of myself. Yeah, that was a good a job. Quick that reaction. Was, that was that was excellent. I remembered my name, you know, which is always good. Yeah, well, there are those days we have <laughs> we have those moments. <laughs> It's it's good to be here again with all our listeners this week. We've got a lot of exciting stuff, including some stuff that we talked about last week in terms of announcements from ourselves. Um, but what are we going to talk about today primarily? Sort of two things, right? Two things. There's a Nikon Z8 announcement. We'll be talking about that. And especially since you've been using a Z9 for a while and there are lots of similarities, I think you'll be able to give some good thoughts on that and I'll certainly chime in as well. And then we'll just do a quick update on the OM1 and some of the experiences that you've had during the last week where you've been really playing a lot with the autofocus system, mm -hmm. uh, getting a configuration established, you know, with all the customizable buttons that works for you, things like that. Yeah. And we actually went out shooting this week. I went out twice um, mm -hmm. but we went out and shot together. So, um, let's, um, which one do you want to do with those first? Why don't we talk about the, the Z8 first, and then okay. we might want to just give a little update on what we talked about last week in terms of website, um, blog, all of that kind of stuff. Oh, right. True. Uh, we could call this the Nikon Z late announcement, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's been rumored for for almost two years you know this is this is the camera that honestly if they had announced it two years ago i would have had zero hesitation in purchasing um, i had zero hesitation in pre-ordering one but that's a different story um the uh the 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 z8 was was you know the rumors were coming around and and pretty much lived up to expectation in, in that it's it really is looks like a mini Z9 uh, in terms of a lot of things. And I think that's a really good decision, in my opinion, from, from Nikon, um, because it, it's not a, just a cost thing, but it's a form factor thing. And it's also a um, reuse of existing product uh, uh, parts pipeline type of thing, mm -hmm. uh, which makes tremendous sense from a, from a business Stand, standpoint you know you're going to use the same sensor the same electronic shutter um the same uh lcd the articulating lcd as the existing z9 this is a good decision in my opinion um, and a lot of people will probably want to go out and pre-order one of these because apparently they'll start shipping them in a couple of weeks we'll see how that works that's been a sticky point in the past but um as you know, my belief is that they will, well, I think they have to um, announce something in the future that's a Z7 replacement, mm -hmm. like a Z7 III or whatever that's more that size, um, because it is significantly smaller than a Z8. But, right. you know, potentially with that 61 megapixel Sony sensor that's out there, it's not a stack sensor. That's okay for many things but, you know, probably outfitted with the new autofocus system right. or something like that. And let's just make that happen. clear. You know, if, if, if you don't know what a stacked sensor is, it's it's the way they fabricate and they put the circuitry on the chip. Um, and, and the practical 
reality of it is it reduces the latency. It, it, it makes you able, the camera can read the data off the chip, the scanning off the sensor far faster than it can on a traditional sensor with a, the unstacked design. I had to go look this up and figure out what this talk. The, what it really means is that with a stacked sensor, no matter who makes it, uh, you know, no matter whose camera it is, that's where you can get those ridiculously fast shutter speeds with electronic shutters at high frame rates. The, and the, a really important thing, you don't have that issue when you're um, doing video or still photography and you have straight lines in the subject and they end up all bent because of the scanning being slow. Right. Where the you know propellers look like they're turning yeah. into jello and weird yeah. stuff like that right. so it truly is an ideal thing and i mean if you're looking for a camera the the ones no matter who makes them the stack sensor designs give you some significant advantages in high speed photography with electronic shutter you know no blackouts no weird anything like that you can get great focus tracking because subjects are on the you know it uses the sensor to they read can be all. completely silent if you choose right um and this is what we see uh as the the direction now there's some sensors where um you know the the pixel counts are still so large like you mentioned the sony has a 60 megapixel sensor it's not a stack design um had Nikon chosen to put that in a in a camera, you would have gone back to needing a mechanical shutter. You wouldn't have had the 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 high shutter speed shooting. And that so in my opinion, the Z8 being a mini Z9 is an excellent thing. Because and in fact, even Nikon's marketing, they've they've positioned it as the D850 was to the D5 and later D6. Mm -hmm. And the D850, I think you and I would both agree, probably the best all-around DSLR we've ever shot with. Easily. I mean, no, no, no argument for me on that one. Yeah. And then uh, my comments aren't based just off of using Nikon cameras. You know, I, I think it was probably the most well-rounded camera DSLR period. So anyway. I think it, it's important that this showed up. I think it's just been a little bit overdue, but that's my opinion. Uh, I would call it several years late. I might be getting one if it were a few years ago but yeah oh well. i mean this this hits the mark on a lot of things it's, yeah. it's smaller than a z9 it's bigger than a z7 though so if you go out there and look at some comparisons online it's not a small camera yeah. it is a smaller than a z9 camera so let's put this in perspective the z nikon has made uh, design decisions with their z mount being large the z9 is a three pound gripped body the z8 is a two pound non-gripped body you can put a grip on it and it becomes an almost three pound grip body again um so none of these are what you would call small uh, it, the z8 is pretty much the same size as my fuji medium format camera and it's, it's actually 10 grams heavier <laughs> <That's great. laughs> blows my mind you know but it's not a terrible size i know the fuji no. comfortable it's just you know it's not like taking the om1 out or even an existing right. Z6 or 7. It's a so, different thing. 
I looked down the line of specs, and obviously some of these remain to be seen in terms of like the actual functionality of the camera. Um, if, if for example, things like menus and stuff like that are, are the same. My guess is that they'll be very, very similar between the two cameras. Um, in terms of similarities to the Z9, it's almost everything other than the size. Um, it's got 20 frame per second raw. It's got um, all of the subject detection options, you know, faces, birds, animals, you know, quote, cat, dog, which is what they all do. Um, planes, trains, and automobiles, <laughs> all that stuff, right. which is great. I mean, it, yeah. it can be very, very useful. It seems like the autofocus system is, is the same, which is a great thing. Um, one thing that I was pleased to see that they included in the Z8 was the sensor shield, which is a glorious feature. Because you can set that thing to close when you turn off your camera, and you'll never get dust on your sensor again. Practically, I mean, it's a glorious feature, um, not a deal breaker, but it's a it's a great feature. Um, so, what is what are the the differences really then in terms of you know where doesn't it live up to a Z9? Well, obviously the grip that's that's obvious. Uh, it uses a smaller battery, so a variant of the Nikon En El15 series. And you can use it's backwards compatible with the earlier versions. The, you know, I think it uses a version C and you, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, they so you'll get you'll, you'll get more shots with the the newer batteries, but you can use them with the other ones. So, shot the number of shots is going to be lower. Um, it does not include the built-in GPS that the Z9 has, uh, which isn't surprising to me. Um, no. That's that's a unique Z9 feature. I mean, you and I were doing predictions about it and it pretty much aligns with mm -hmm. what we were privately predicting to each other well I've, i'm actually pleasantly surprised that it got so much z9 in mm -hmm. it because companies have had a tendency of trying to build products that don't compete with their other products right, right. or you know just psychologically and there was some you know i just had private concerns as to whether or not you know there would be something that just crippled it and made it made it right. less desirable. But I think I think it's actually really good. And at its price point, it's kind of hard to argue with. Um it's definitely more expensive than a Z7 II, but it's a lot better camera than a Z7 yeah. II for a lot of things. Now one difference, I, I'm not sure if you mentioned it yet or not. Um instead of having two mm. uh, um compact flash express yeah cf, CF express. express card yeah. slots it just has one and an sd card slot which depending on how you look at it is either good or bad and i can make a case either way you know the bad thing is if if you're doing sequential recording and then it cuts over from the cf express card to the sd it's going to be running a little bit slower uh, most likely even if you get you know one of the fastest uh, SD cards. Mm -hmm. The flip side is that one, a lot of people have SD cards. If you choose to, you could operate it just with an SD card. And if you ever end up in a situation where you're traveling and you forget to bring those really nice CF Express cards with you, you can go out and buy some cheap SD cards. And they're a lot less expensive for even a lot the less expensive one. and a lot more available. Yeah. So I don't think that's a that's just a personal choice. I, I think I don't think the mixed card slot thing is a bad thing inherently. No, 
no, I actually I, and, would like it. I, I mean, I, and, and this is a good discriminator. I mean, I think if you're a pro sports shooter where 20 or, or 8K video shooter mm-hmm. and you need that capacity and that overflow, get a Z9. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. You can get the fastest possible CF type B cards and go for it, right? Um, most of us don't need that. Um, if you get a 128 gigabyte card and you shoot in Nikon's high efficiency or compressed raw format, you're talking thousands of, of shots on that card. Um, and one thing you you uh, didn't mention also, um, but it, you know, it's another option, is with these cameras, a lot of times you can set them up so that you put RAW on card A and JPEG on card B. And if all you're doing, and, and imagine the travel scenario where you just want to look at JPEGs, mm-hmm. you get a little J, you can get a little SD reader for your tablet or your laptop or whatever. Don't worry about the RAWs, just download JPEGs from the, from the SD card. So I think if you're a traveling photographer and you want to shoot with the Nikon system, um, you know, the Z8 is a potentially excellent choice. It might be still a little bit overkill. I mean, it, it definitely has some advantages, but you can go even smaller with a Z6 kit or a Z7 kit. Um, now the lenses are still large and that's, that gets us to, you know, other discussions that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, you can't, you can't get around physics when it comes to designing full frame lenses um, and Nikon has chosen to make their lens mount as large as possible. Um, that's their decision. And, and the lenses are of outstanding quality. They're also larger and heavier, just, just about across the board, um, larger and heavier than even some full frame lenses from other, other manufacturers. That's a design choice. That's just, that's just what's out there. Any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so I've been puzzled by that decision at times, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, that's their decision. They can <laughs> do whatever yeah. they want, you know, yeah. goes, yeah. that's how it goes sometimes. I do I, think though, I mean, you know, my thought on companies, communications, all of them need to do more communication than they're mm-hmm. currently doing. They're being too private. And I think one of the things that Nikon will need to do is one way or another, communicate the rest of their roadmap on bodies so that you know because there have been people who have purchased z9s that really did not need z9s and they're now buying z8s but maybe what they really need is a z7 III and Mm -hmm. and it just will create frustration if people end up going through multiple cameras that aren't really what they think um, they need or want so I, right. I think as much as they can give insight into that um, camera body roadmap, it would behoove them to do that. And the lens stuff. Um, Nikon's had a 200 to 600 zoom lens on their roadmap for probably almost two years now. Yeah. And I haven't seen it yet. I mean, that's the lens that, that a Z8 enth- bird photography enthusiast would, would want. Um, so why and, do you want to... And owning the Sony equivalent of that for a while, man, that's a glorious lens. And mm-hmm. if it's priced similarly to the Sony with similar performance, that is going to be wildly popular. Yes. So they need well, to maybe get that just, out. Maybe there's been supply chain um, lags or something like that yeah. production. Who knows? But um, so do you need a Z8? Um, that's a great question. Um, 
some of it is just need is relative. I, I think if you're a Nikon, if you're using the Nikon system and you want to photograph wildlife or sports or anything with action, then these are the two cameras to choose from. And mm-hmm. frankly, given the $1,500 lower price point of a Z8, unless you truly need the, the extra battery life, which to me is a minor thing, um, and uh, some of the other functions like Ethernet built it. You know, there, there's some there's some amazing functions in the Z9 that, frankly, I never even touched. Right. I mean, and and you could probably say the same thing about other cameras you've owned. Sure. Too. Like they just do things. You know, that sure. maybe maybe it's video features or whatever. So so if if you need if you need that and you want to shoot 8K video, a Z8 or a Z9 is where you are right now. You need that that sensor. Uh, if you don't, and you're still shooting more static subjects or travel photography or landscapes, I think you can be very happy still with the with a Z7 II, um, uh, you know, refurbished one. Even if you want to save a little money. Um, now, let's talk about before we move on. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the the elephant in the room when it comes to things like used selling your, you know, what if you're one of these people oh my gosh. bought a Z9 <laughs> be, because that was your option because you wanted to take photos of birds, but you really didn't like the large form factor. Hey, I could be talking about myself. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, I mean, if you I go back to did. our archives, you go back to our archives when the Z9 was announced, I think I said something like, I'm not really sure I'm ready to spend this kind of money even though what it does for for my needs is glorious right and i held off i mean i did get one pretty early on but that was due to some circumstances where i had the opportunity to get it um had it not been for a bird workshop that i was doing last year in january i might have held off on the z9 because i could be very happy with my other kind of photography with the z7 too Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish I had those other features, but I could have lived without it. So, so say you got a Z9 um, because that was your only choice. And I think there's a lot of enthusiasts who might find themselves in this situation. Should you sell your Z9 to get a Z8? Should you wait? What should you do? Um, if it were me, and I say this from personal experience, if you can have an option to to shoot with another camera in in the near term and it might be a, let's say a couple months it just depends on what the supply chains do you're you'll get a much better value on your z9 trading it in right now i'm already seeing quotes for used z9 drop by as much as a thousand dollars just in the last week alone mm-hmm. so there's a variety of places you can go to to sell obviously you can try to sell private party but i i feel that the demand for the z9 is going to be restricted to really high-end pros you know for people who really make their living with that kind of and want that camera people who like that form factor or maybe people who just like to say they have the the flagship camera i mean that's okay too right mm-hmm. i mean sure it's completely reasonable to just say i like you should have- enjoy using it and if yeah, that's a val- that's a very valid thing in my opinion. So there you go. So 
that's my my view. So if you're if you're looking to because I have a feeling that you know the flip side of that is in a couple of months the used market for Z9 is going to be very good. I have a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you are you you might be able to find one for about the same price as a Z8. So just it's I it's just it the be. nature of the game. It's it's how yeah. it goes. Um it's it's interesting stuff. Now let's talk a little bit about um well we wanted to share some of our thoughts on uh, configuring my om system and but before we do that i'll have a lot more detail on my thoughts between my nikon z9 and the olympus om1 if you are a supporter of the show on our new blog page because we're going to be posting after show videos bonus videos every other week you get the extra content from behind the scenes, or so to speak. I don't know if there's behind any scenes, <laughs> behind closed doors, um, that we don't always have time to talk about e- either because of time constraints in the audio podcast or just because it lends itself better to video. So if you want to see what the OM1 lenses look like compared to some of my Z lenses, sign up to be a supporter of the show. And where can you go to find this, Rick? Beats me. Okay, so our website that is coming out. (laughs) Yeah, well, we have a new blog. And depending on your level of support, you will have access to different things on our blog. But our website is imagedoctorsphoto.com. And there you will find... remember what we ended up with. (laughs) Yeah, well, there it is. It is live without a net. imagedoctorsphoto.com. And if you go there, you can see our content. and. if you choose to support us, you will get access to different amounts of that content. So that that I will leave to, to later, but uh, image doctors with an S photo.com and you will get more in depth. We've been wanting to do more content for a long time, um, but it takes a lot of time. We've been doing this podcast for how long, Rick? <laughs> I mean, since a, 2005 a years. Yeah. I mean, we've been coming to everybody since 2005. We want to have more stuff. We want to do this, but this gives us the, the, the platform to do it. So yeah. we hope you can s- consider supporting our show and becoming a, a patron of the show, a supporter through our Patreon page and um, go from there. So without belaboring that, let's talk a little bit about what we did this week with the OM1. Two things, right? Yeah. So we shot together. Yep, we did a little excursion to the zoo. Quick question. Mm-hmm. Are you happy with your OM1? Oh, I couldn't be happier. Well, I could be happier, but that would be picking nits. <laughs> but you're pretty darn happy. Yeah, I, it, it, it's it an excellent a nice camera. camera. Um, and to your point, I think you had said to some of our Facebook uh, comments, the OM1 really is a significant change in a lot of DNA, you know, menus and software than previous OM cameras or Olympus cameras. Yeah. And if you had used the Olympus cameras in the past, it's not hard to navigate the controls or the menus, even though they are different. It's, it's an easy thing. And I think if you're coming from another brand, which is what you did, what are your thoughts on them? Pretty easy to use. Absolutely. Once I figured out a few key things, the menu system, very well laid out. Mm -hmm. Um, I figured it out very easily. And it's got that feature similar to to Nikon where you can have a my menu and you can put your favorite things. If you forget where to find something, you can go over there and and find a command. 
One thing that is absolutely stunning with what they've done, um, the OM1 is a small body, but it's not tiny. It's 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 about the same size as my Z6. Yeah. It's really not. Vehicle. It's a little bit shorter, I think. Um, it's got a good grip on it. Now, some of the other Olympus cameras are very small and ergonomically very different, but the OM1 is 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 great here. Um, the only thing I find myself missing on it there's there's only a couple of things that I really find myself missing on it, and these are minor things because you get spoiled with certain features from some cameras. So compared to 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 some things, like I do sometimes look down at the top of the camera and kind of say, "Where's my little LCD readout?" Mm-hmm. It doesn't have one. Big deal. It has it on the back of the screen. Um, and I really do like that four-axis tilt LCD that the Z9 and Z8 have. Mm-hmm. That will spoil you <laughs> to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Um, but other things are absolutely incredible. In fact, I would say the Olympus OM-1 is is actually got some better ways to customize button functions than the Z9 had. And and this comes to one little feature that I'll I'll mention is that it's not only what you can assign to a button, but it's how things work. And one very challenging thing I ran into with Nikon was that there's no easy way to enable or disable subject detection. And we've talked about this in the past. And it's part of the reason why we went to the zoo was to figure out how the camera behaves with subject detection and you know, that kind of thing. There are times when it works and it's glorious. And then there are times when it gets fooled and it is not good <laughs> because it focuses right. on the wrong thing. And you need a way to quickly toggle out of that. And while there's some ways to do it in the Nikon system, Olympus is very easy. You just set a button to turn subject detection on or off. Right. So I like that about it. And then the other thing that they've done is they've given buttons the ability to then be further configured so that it's not just a button press, but if you then press and hold the button and turn a dial, it can have a secondary function. And that's yeah. something I hadn't seen before in my other cameras. And, and, and now that stuff, you know, getting into more detailed button configuration stuff and auto focus system nuances, we'll talk more about in our bonus content. But, yeah, because that just gets down the yeah. rabbit hole, I think, a little bit. But I bit. think people will find it interesting because it's it, it's stuff that even if you're uh, pretty well acquainted with what's being discussed in Olympus circles, you may not have heard some of this um, right? because we have figured out some things jointly during the last week or so that right. you know, are above and beyond what I had figured out before. But, I, uh, uh, but you I have did... had some exposure to the lens ecosystem, right? Right, and that's that's wonderful, and I'll be able to show our supporters what those lenses look like in, in our, our bonus episode today, um, this week. And then um, I you know, I picked up a used portrait lens. It's an it's the equivalent of a ninety millimeter one eight, um, and you have to see it to believe it because <laughs> you just wouldn't believe so it. So tiny. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's insane. Um, but what, what I'm finding where, where the strengths, um, I, I would say there are certain areas where the Olympus's autofocus system has a little room for improvement. It's very good, and it's not going to cause me any issues because I've learned it. I've, tro- I, you know, I've taken the time to learn this, and this would be our advice to anybody with any new, new system. Um, and then the other thing is um, 
going in and when you initially set up your camera, you can set up your default setting, your standard settings first. Always do this. And, and just use those and refine them over the course of a week before you commit anything into a menu bank, into a saved custom bank. And one feature that I really found useful, uh, you sent me your settings. I was able to load them mm -hmm. on the camera and right. just get an idea for what this is. But this is a wonderful and smart thing to do. Um, and kudos to Olympus for this. Four custom settings banks one through four and you can load them or save them independently of the other three including you can save your default settings as well as a fifth setting you know the as you know the standard when you're just in say aperture priority or whatever on the dial and then you've got the custom settings on the dial not only can you save those you can save them to their app on the phone which is cool so then you have a backup of your settings and you can choose to load just the ones you want or the whole thing. That's and, really and great. What's, what's really remarkable, I'll go one step further, given that you can save those custom settings and your regular shooting se settings separately on the app, you can also save multiple versions of them. Right. Now, I haven't done this. I think it falls in the realm of probably too confusing. <laughs> OCD. You, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not that bad in terms of OCD, but you could theoretically have a complete configuration, including custom setting one through four for bird photography. You could have the same thing for landscapes. Right, you could have the same thing for sports and essentially load up a completely different camera. Right. I, I would, it would hurt my head. I won't it would hurt that. my head. But I some people that. love that stuff. I don't. I One like thing simplicity. you can do, and this is quite a, kind of nice, is you can take a setting that's in custom bank one through four and then load it into your current as you know default shooting setting to use those same button configurations when you're, say, in aperture priority. Right. And we'll um, talk more about that in the bonus. What, one little thing, too, yeah. is you also they also give you the option of with your banks, you can set them so that they retain their settings uh, as you change them or they lock down. And so when you come back to them, they reset to the yes. original save parameter. And that's something that has driven me uh, kind of nuts with with the um, Nikon cameras that use that. It's not a, a criticism of Nikon. I, what I'm what it is, is that Olympus has really gotten some stuff right. Uh, throw in some of the computational photography options, like being able to do extended shutter speeds, even at ISO 200, um, and do handheld four-second exposures <laughs> with wide lenses. I know. I that know. was insane. I mean, I, it's not a pretty picture, but I went out at twilight, you know, just poked the camera out. I saw out that. Of, it looked nice. It, out the backyard at twilight, and guess what? It's sharp, and I held it that way for four seconds i leaned up against a door jam it's not like i was just floating in space but oh my goodness i can't do that with any other camera that i own no and and you know i've been talking to you about that stuff for years and i'm sure you thought yeah a little bit of hyperbole but these are things you can really do and it, it does make the system very attractive especially if you're wanting something that is smaller and lighter and more agile either as a complement to a larger system like your future Z8 system or mm -hmm. me with, you know, medium format and other things. Um, yeah. 
it, it's I really enjoy this system. And I'm and I know we're running out of time, so I'll just let leave with the last takeaway, which was I went out to our local lake, which usually has ducks and things on it. And there wasn't a whole lot of wildlife out there this time of year. Most of them have right. gone gone elsewhere. But there were birds flying around, seagulls and ducks mm -hmm. and even a heron. And I put the camera's autofocus into the bird detection tracking, you know, you know, auto, you know, zones, tried a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm nailed it yep it was with the 100 to 400 which again it's the it is a two and a half pound equivalent of a 200 to 800 so it's like crazy so between the stabilization system and the autofocus tracking i came home with a lot of sharp shots they weren't exciting birds but they were sharp and it right. proved to me that the camera can can absolutely work for wildlife photography without without hesitation yeah okay that is all the time we have for our listeners today. Um, we will Please have... do take a look at our new website, and yep. I'll let you repeat the name again. It's imagedoctorsphoto.com, and that's where you will be able to find us for a after-show video where we can go into more depth from what we've talked about in the last uh, couple episodes. So and until other next time... articles, other oh, yeah. videos, all of those things. Excellent stuff. All righty. And uh, that reminds me, we got to keep I got to write a few more. <laughs> so yes. got more work to do. But until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.